all you sparklers, all you destroyers, all you rockin', 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 rockin' rollers, yeah. <laughs> You're going to get a little bit of buzz for the first minute of the interview, but I promise it is worth it. Please write it out. A little bit of a DIY learning as you go here. Enjoy the show. Hello, world. It's Haley Crusher Kane, and this is the third episode of Sparkle and Destroy, a podcast for nasty, resilient women, especially our immigrant women who make noisy, vibrant art. I'm the descendant of French and German immigrants who now has the privilege to live in America as a freelance writer and guitarist. I live in San Luis Obispo with my rock and roll band, Haley and the Crushers, my proud feminist husband, Dr. Kane Reed Kane Esquire a fake doctor and a fake lawyer, my two rat dogs and my two chickens. And today I am talking to a small yet mighty woman who rips on guitar and growls out her feelings in the most authentic and energizing way. She is exactly what the world needs now. And she is, of course, Mae Black from the Oakland rock band Mutt. And you may have noticed that instead of my normal background music, which usually comes from my song Glitter and Glue, you are hearing Mutt's song Ad Nauseam. And you will be hearing much more of Mutt's music throughout this podcast, so stay tuned for that. I do have a cold today, which is why I sound really nasally and kind of like I'm trying to be a little bit more excited than I am. Like, I don't want to sound like how I feel, which is kind of like, oh my God, like why? Why is this happening? (laughs) But still, I'm really excited because May is an amazing woman and she has inspired me since we first met in person which was at Lady Fest last spring, uh, which was put on uh, by my friend Shay Kelly. And like so many things, we had chatted online about booking shows and we had gotten some gigs going together that we had planned to do, but we hadn't met in person. And this happens so often, I feel like. And you think you know this person and you do know this person, but it's so different when you're like face to face and you're like, holy shit, this is the person I've been emailing. And she just taps you on the back and I turn around and she's got this like intense energy and jet black hair and super light eyes like a wolf or something. And um, we just instantly hit it off. And on stage, I feel like she's just so massive. She's like a massive wall of sound, which is so in contrast to being, um, you know, a smaller woman. And I love this about her. It's almost like her name, like the duality, May, like the beautiful springtime weather and black, like I will eat your soul. And that's pretty much what she's like on stage. She's just massive and she's a force to be reckoned with. And she's just very compelling in being human on stage. I think that's really hard for a lot of women to just get up there and be really vulnerable, like look kind of ugly. And May is a beautiful woman. She knows that I don't mean that in in a derogatory way, but just like get sweaty, yell, scream, bring out the energy that you're feeling without, without compromise, without apologizing. And she's actually told me before that she doesn't want to be pretty. She doesn't want to sound pretty. She doesn't want to be this pretty little package. And she's really, really not. Um, and that's what I really, really love about her music. As a guitarist, she is just 
really plays this thick and distorted lead guitar and it just kind of drips with angst. And I like that her presence on stage is really a challenge to the audience to just wake up, like wake the hell up. She has arrived. Her band has arrived. You are listening to Mutt now. Um, you need to put down your cell phones. <laughs> you can text that person later. Um, but I would say her band is very gritty, but it's also infectious. And it's kind of reminiscent of some of my favorite grunge music of the 90s. I remember getting into that when I was younger, totally post-grunge um, in the early 2000s. But really connecting to that grunge music and that it's got this like juicy kind of hook to it. Uh, but it's also very subversive. And I'm very attracted to that. Um, I'm so glad to have May on the podcast because she's also just a really sweet person. She's funny and she's wry and she's very thoughtful and has a really great sense of humor. And I'm sure she's listening to this right now, like freaking out because she's not the kind of person that's so out there with her feelings and her emotions. In fact, I think it took a while for her to kind of get warmed up to this idea. And I think I poked her a couple times <laughs> and then, you know, once she did it, she was just an open book and was so kind and I think that what she talks about today, especially following your gut and following your dreams and not allowing self-doubt to get in the way of that is so, 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 so valuable because even though the world is a terrifying place right now and there are so many issues we need to tackle and protest and et cetera, et cetera, fight, 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 the first act of resistance is believing in yourself and as an artist, continuing to make your art. So I completely commend her for that. And I'm so excited to share this with you today. Just a side note, we did record this right after the Women's March. May protested in Oakland and I protested in San Luis Obispo. If you want to hear more about my thoughts on the Women's March and some voices from the Women's March, Listen to episode two. Now here is May Black. We're doing it because, like you said, like it's hard to get out of bed sometimes, and I want to just do something positive, even if it's really small. It like kind of helps me to feel okay. Like I don't know about you, but yesterday marching and stuff, like for that brief amount of time, I kind of felt okay because we were all in one yeah. space. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. And yeah, you got to keep just doing things like making music and. You know, I know you're doing a lot of that right now. You're really inspired right now, it seems like. You're on, like, a crazy, like, manic writing role or something. I am. Yeah, it's, um... Yeah, I mean, I think it's the... I'm... I think it's the time. Uh, I've been, like, kind of trying to lay low for, like, the past two months. So, this past week, I mean, the past, like, two, like three months, really, you know, has been kind of 
chaotic, but I feel like this past week has been like, I've been trying to write and like get through the block. And then, you know, going to like the march on Saturday, I feel like it just like the dam burst. <laughs> just got home and I've been uh, pen to paper ever since, so. What are, what are the songs about? Yeah. I'm just curious. Can you divulge what, like, what the songs are, like, shaping into? You know, I mean, yeah, not all of them I know 100% yet, um, but definitely, like, the song that I started working on yesterday is called Alpha Male, and it's, I mean, it's what you would imagine that's about. <laughs> it's about a really nice, generous dude that cares a lot about women. <laughs> lightning rod moment like I feel like there were certain things that happened during the election that suddenly like a groundswell of just like outrage and collective like anger was sort of like rising up and it was interesting that like certain things were these like 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 for, for some reason it was okay that Trump was doing or saying terrible things but then all of a sudden it would all come to a head and I wonder for you like were there moments where you were just like no and then you were like, I need to write about this, you know? I just wonder if, if that's how it worked for you or if you just kind of collect, like, let it just kind of build up over time until finally you just had to, like, create this album. I think, you know, and, like, I don't want to say what the album is yet because we're still very deep in the writing process. But yeah. I might be jumping ahead of myself, but it's definitely, you know, lyrically where everything's coming from. And I, I think that, like, just, being the trend in myself over time is like I I tend to write the most when I'm like really scared and trying to work something out or like really sad about something um it's hard for me to write from a happy perspective I guess um and that's usually like when I'm really happy like I feel like that's when I start like kind of storytelling songs if you will Mm. um but, like, the more, like, reflective ones definitely come from sadness and being scared. And I think that a big part of this election, just from people that I've talked to, too, there's, like, it's it's a real fear. Yeah, it's anger for sure. But people are scared. I mean, I feel like, you know, I mean, we never know what tomorrow's going to bring. But there's just some scary shit that's been happening. Totally. Uh, totally. This, so. I mean, maybe that's where it comes from, is me just trying to work stuff out, you know, 
work out my fears. And I think a lot of times with music, you know, you're putting something out there to kind of like as a call and response of just like, am I the only one feeling this or can everyone get on? Yeah. Um, So, I mean, and I think for a lot of artists, that's maybe where it's all coming from too. Right. Like if, if, if you don't say anything, you know, it's like the whole, like we have to reach out to each other. And I think right now we're just so isolated in the way that we use technology and like, we don't really riot in the streets and have like protests like happened back in the day. Like I talked to so many older ladies at the protests that were like in their seventies and they were like, yeah, like this is what we always did. We just come into the streets and, and, um, it's so cool that we're like, there's this renaissance of like actual people like meeting up talking about this shit, actually making art, you know, it's really soothing. Yeah. I was talking to a friend today and I, and you know, she was, um, she was just voicing some fears about, you know, things. And I was like, you know, since Saturday, since that March and that gathering of people, I have actually had like the most hope that I've had in a long time and the most hope and like the idea of like, okay, we're like, we're going to, we're going to do this. We're all going to do this. We're all doing this, right? You know what I mean? And like, it's really awesome like that everyone, and and like you said, you know, I never thought of that, thought of it in that perspective. It's like now kind of our protests are like, oh, let's start a Facebook page to, you know, pass this around and sign an online petition and do that. And that's not, that's not everybody. I mean, I know plenty of people that have taken to the streets and are out there talking to people on a daily basis and they do an amazing job, but um, I feel like for some of us, and myself included, you know, a lot of our protesting is online, and it's not a big gathering in the streets shutting down cities across the world. Right. Um, yeah, totally. Which is such a powerful thing, and and like you said, you know, that's how they used to get stuff done. And I don't, I'm, I'm like a little disappointed <laughs> that it's taken this long to like realize that, but I'm also really thankful for, you know, what I've witnessed in the past few days. I, I am like jiving on what you're saying so much. I like, I feel like I met so many new friends and just like different age groups and it, it, you're right. Like there's this like sense of like, it's going to be cool. It's going to be okay. But as long as we keep doing things and to that point, I mean, I want to talk about how you are creating these songs and like how you physically take that angst or that anger or fear and like make it into a song and like what you used to to kind of get the song out of you and I know that the writing process is something that you're always interested in and you always want to know how other people are doing it and I just wonder like why is that the most um kind of intriguing part of it for you and like what what do you tend to find when you ask those questions of other artists Mm -hmm. I think for me (laughs) I have no idea what my process is other than I try to do it every single day and like it's more of a numbers game for me. I just, I try to write, I sit down with my guitar, I just do nonsensical things with it and make noises and like sometimes something works. So I think that like, for me, people's writing process is so interesting because I might think that there's like some secret spell or like. uh, (laughs) Yeah.
like I know that's not a real thing, but like my childish brain just, you know, thinks that one day I'm gonna get it if I just keep asking all these questions. But I mean, in that process, I have learned some like really, um, you know, not, they're not tricks, but you know, amazing practices for those times when you are in a rut. And like I said, I've been like the past two months, I've been, uh, one thing that I try to do is I try to wake up 15 minutes early every morning, which doesn't always happen, but 15 minutes in just like, just write, just pen to paper, it doesn't matter. Sometimes I'm just writing like, I hate the morning, why am I awake? Like just (laughs) really just moving a pen across the paper. And I feel like that helps get all of the like, you can't do this. Like, you suck at music. <laughs> like, all that <laughs> stuff that your brain's always telling you. I just, like, write it out first thing in the morning. So then, like, I feel like it helps free my brain through the rest of the day to not, like, okay, you don't have to talk, but you don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. I, I like that. Down, like, do you really do that? Um, I'm so, like, I admire that so much. That you, do you really do that? <laughs> Are you serious? I don't tell I try. I got that from a book, like a self-help book I read. It sounds very like idyllic self-help book where I'm like, I'm totally going to do that. And then I don't do that. So like, you're giving me so much inspiration to actually do that. This book is awesome. And I've like read it. Well, not front to back type. I pick and choose the chapters that I want to read, but it's called the artist way. And it's like, it really, there's some good stuff in there, but one of them is like, is doing that every morning um, for writers, but she's like do three pages and I'm like, dude, I'm doing one page. Like, we're all lucky I'm up this early. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I try to do one page every morning and, you know, I give myself 15 minutes and sit down and just, it usually is very, very pessimistic. (laughs) But I get all the pessimism out, pessimism out of the way uh, first thing and then go about my day free up my mind a little bit so that that's a trick um back to tricks that I've learned um yeah and I think like you know another thing that I've uh gleaned off of other musicians and artists is that I had this when I started playing music I had this like really weird notion and I feel like I can't be the only one that's had it but like that there's natural talent and music and like if you didn't have it like if you didn't have like a natural talent you just like weren't gonna do it or I don't know I have no idea where this train of thought well I I get what you're saying but I think natural talent means different things to different people so like you mean like like actual like musical like I can do it (laughs) whatever I guess I kind of look like looked at people like like Kurt Cobain and like just people I admired at the time and I was like they I mean they had, like, the people I admired were always, like, grungy, like, um, people that seemed to not really, like, they're, they're, it was, like, I guess effortless is the word. Like, they just were this person, and, like, they made music, and it was gross, and, like, it looked like they put no effort into it. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, uh, like the whole, like, I'm just unwashed hair, and, like, my song is, like, the represent is like it's like unwashed hair like it's just this is the song this is how it came out I didn't edit it all crazy like I know what you mean like almost like a poet or like a romantic yeah yeah and I kind of like I kind of had that notion of just like well you can't do it and you know you can't do it in two takes so 
let's just forget about that song. Let's do something oh, else. God, I'm so sorry. That's, like, the worst. No, I mean, it's not, like, it's just kind of, like, what I had in my head and was kind of, you know, when I first started doing music, just, like, the thinking of, like, you know, I'm never going to show this to anybody or, um, or like, I can't do this. I, I feel like we all must have been there one time. Maybe it's just me. But anyways, the thing that I have learned over time is, like, that's not real. <laughs> when I look to people and, like, I wish I could go back to me as, like, you know, a 14-year-old and be like, you know, Kurt Cobain doesn't just sit down and, like, an awesome song comes out. Like, there's, like, there's so much practice and there's so much effort in just a single performance. I mean, I'm sure there are people that can get up stage and just, ad lib and do an amazing show but most of the people that ever get a chance to stand in front of a microphone and play a guitar and be in a band it takes such incredible amount of time and practice and like that's just the truth of the matter and I think once that kind of settled in for me I was like okay well you know how to practice and you've got plenty of time on your hands oh, <laughs> I totally oh I, re- I relate to that so much and I think part of it is like not to like make this about like dudes do this and women do that, but it almost seems like dudes have more leeway to fuck up and be effortless. Cause they're like, whatever, like this is a band that I, I'm in. And, and like, they have this like ease of like, just fuck it. Like, I'm just going to do this song. And I think women have to almost like get into the venue for, well, they have to get out of their own minds first. Then they have to like actually get into a band. Then they have to like get into a venue, get on a stage. And then they're like, I mean, how comfortable would you be of just yeah. being like, and this is just some song I wrote this morning, like whatever, you know, it's almost yeah. like you, it's hard to pull off that like effortless punk rock thing that we all want when you do have to try really hard just to get like, you know, your shit together. So yeah. I think that's part of it and too. And I relate little, like, to that. It's really changed. Like my, what I think is a good performance now compared to when I was younger too is like when people go up on stage and they're just kind of like, oh yeah, like someone just found us in an alleyway and threw us up here and like, <laughs> you know, playing music. And they're like so apathetic towards what they're doing. Like, I don't care how good you are. Like, you, this is, you're on stage. <laughs> Dude. It's so sacred. I have to ask you on to that point, like, how do you feel about people playing music in flip flops? Cause for me, it just said, it, sa- no. it says, I don't, I didn't try. I didn't care. And I'm just going to be on stage. So, you know, that's, that's that. And to me, I'm just like, that's a disgrace. And it's not a fashion thing. It's just like a, I tried thing. I don't know. It's a flip flop, flip flop theory. I am not like for flip flop at any point in time. However, um, no, I'm with you. I think maybe if you're a drummer and you don't play with shoes, like, you could get away with that. But yeah, don't wear flip-flops on stage. Because isn't it almost being like, I didn't decide to not wear shoes, but I didn't decide to wear shoes. I'm just non-committal. Like, I'm just here. Yeah. And like, who the... Not that you can't just be here, but like, I want to know that you want to be here. And like, what is your point of view? You know, I, yeah. I mean, I don't like music that's so vague that like, it's just lovely and wonderful. Like, I want to feel something. I just want to feel yeah. what's going on with you and your flip flops sure. and your white wine are just not, <laughs> I love white wine, but for some reason I just think of flip flops and white wine and like, <laughs> who did you go see those? 
fun. Okay. Drinking so in San Luis Obispo, like there's so many outdoor concerts and stuff. And like, I'm not talking shit at all, but yeah, there's always like those three people in like the audience that are like older male, like white dude or like uh-huh. whatever with the, like the white wine, just like, you know, doing that kind of dad dance, just like gyrating, very like wobbly yeah. and like wearing the flip flops and my dad's going to kill me. Cause this is actually like exactly who my dad is. Cause I, and I love him, but, <laughs> but it's just not my job. It's not my generation. It's not really what I'm about. And yeah, I just want to know there's a point of view there and like, you know, be vulnerable, like bear your soul a little yeah. bit. Like, I don't care if it's a little bit ugly, like, let me know what's up. episode of Sparkle and Destroy is sponsored by Dr. Kane's Comics and Games at 778 Marsh Street in downtown San Luis Obispo and by Woods Humane Society where my friend Mavis is from. She is a Chihuahua Terrier something else mix. She is a mutt to be reckoned with and uh, speaking of mutt I thought I'd give my favorite mutt a call today and see what she's up to. All right so let's call Mavis. How's it going today? As you know, um, we have Mutt, um, May Black from the band Mutt on the line, and uh, I just thought it'd be good to give you a call too. You know, you're my favorite female Mutt, and uh, I just wanted to see, you know, what was your favorite rock band, or what? do you have any good rock and roll experiences to share? I once found a sausage on the street and I ate it. It was delicious. Oh my God. What kind of sausage was it? It was the foot kind on the street sausage. You know, street food is some of the best food in the world. I've always said that. What's your favorite band? I like Marvel 100 because they got more. More, more what exactly? More delicious flavor. <laughs> oh, Mavis. You know, I really wish you wouldn't um, advertise cigarettes on this program, but, you know, it's your free speech, and I don't want to, you know, stamp on your dreams as a strong female uh, dog, um, a mutt. What, what would you say to people out there that are um, upset about the political climate and what's happening in our country? I went to jail once, but I got rescued, then I went to jail again. I got 13 nipples, and one of them or two of them are black. Would you say mass incarceration is a pretty big issue today? I mean, I think that's something people should talk about more. If this trash cans was shorter, I could get in them. You know, it's always a delight to have you on the program, Mavis. Thank you so much. Would you like to add anything? Mavis? being a little bit ugly like I feel like your music has this awesome darkness to it that is like I totally hear the grunginess in the music and I totally hear the just like kind of disregard for like being perfect and you have this like growly thing you do with your voice it's just very I have to play some music on here so that people can hear it it's just very not masculine but just like guttural like a guttural woman (laughs) So I want I want you to tell me. (laughs) Did I describe that okay? That was perfect. (laughs) But it's yeah, like she's guttural. She's guttural. Um, 
But like, I wonder how you kind of came to that place. I know you didn't start off like being this like crazy guitar player that you are today. And I wonder how you kind of got from just like writing songs to being this like massive presence on stage. Like you're, I have to tell people you're like a smaller woman, like you're not very tall. Um, but when you're on stage, you're like crazy, like intimidating. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're welcome. I'm five four. That's like average. But still, like you're, you're like, you're like a big beefy dude on stage, like in a really good way, not not in like a bad way. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think I've always loved. I mean, I think we both have an affection for music that's like like you said like says something there's something about it but I've always loved like the gross like I just I, I love it when it's gross when it hurts almost and like I started um when I started writing songs they were really folky and like uh you know an acoustic guitar um and I still love those songs and I've always loved those songs but I there's something about plugging into an amplifier and having that power in your hands that I think um, I started like my first band I actually played drums in really um, yeah and then from from that I went to mostly I mean I I I, w- I played guitar but I was mostly a lyricist in, in the other band that I was in um, and those songs all of them came from like sitting down with an acoustic guitar and writing them and then translating that to a band that paid, played electric and it was really like kind of like blues rock yeah you uh, have a lot of bluesy like influences in your soloing and stuff like I can I can hear that a little bit too yeah um and then you know when I I think that when I started so Mutt is the first uh band that I've really started on my own um, and I didn't really start it on my own. I think mean, I started with my friends, but it was like this project starting from scratch. I'm not walking into someone else's band or someone's idea. This is ours. We're doing this. Yeah, that's uh, like huge. Like okay. that's a huge I commitment. Message. I hope it didn't like <laughs> cut out. But now I'm being awkward by acknowledging it. So no, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm in my living room. Sorry. Like I'm trying to make my dog like not move right now. So it's all good. <laughs> um. So anyways, when Mutt started, you know, I, uh, it's also the first band where I I picked out all of my, I picked out my guitar. I got the guitar I wanted. I picked out my amp. I found the amp that I wanted. I found the pedals that, that I wanted. It's kind of, it was the first time where I wasn't like, oh, here's a hand-me-down this, make a noise out of it. Mm. I really focused my energy into this is the sound that I want and we're going from there as opposed to letting other, it's not really letting other people influence me, but like a lot of stuff was, you know, like here you can use this guitar because I didn't have one, or mm-hmm. like here's this, and you, you know, you make noises out of that. Kind of the opposite way around. So with this band, I started out with like here's what I want out of my sound, and then it kind of went from there. And I, you know, I never really sang like this. Um, I mean, I guess I did in my last band, which was called Spider Heart, a little bit, but this was really. Um, the songs are different, the energy is different, and the message is different, and I think that it just comes from a different place inside of me, and it's so gutsy. Yeah. 
I, I can, I get it now. Like obviously the conviction was there from the, from the beginning and it wasn't like kind of a joke or not a joke, but it wasn't like a casual project. This was obviously something that right. you set out to like get all the things in order. And I wonder how long that took you. And did you reach opposition from other people? I wonder, you know, a lot of women I find, and I'm like this too. I'm like, Oh, I'm not a gearhead. Oh, I like, you know, I don't really care that much about this and that, but it's really just a cop out. Like I really do care. I just sometimes get lazy about it. Um, and there's always some like super like nosy, like know it all sound guy to like make me sound good or some guy at the guitar store. That's like, Oh yeah, you need this, that, that, and the other. Um, how long did it take you to kind of get that sound? Cause it's so like grungy and crunchy and like dirty. Um, like how did you, how long did it take you to do that? And did it, was it hard to do? You know, I think, I mean, I got really lucky because, uh, my drummer and my band is also my best friend and he has been playing in bands forever and he's played in all different types of bands. So I, I relied on him a lot for like, Hey, listen to this. I would have him listen to so many out. I mean, so many like sections of songs, like mm-hmm. a guitar solo here, this here. And I'd be like, Hey, what do you think? That, like, what kind of pedal do you think that is? What kind of amp do you think that is? And he happens to know, he just like knows he knows so many he has such a good ear and he knows so many noises um and so he's the one that like i have a pv juice which not a lot of people play through but it's an awesome amp um and he was the one that played he played in this punk band like back in high school with this guy that would play through two of them at the same time and he would like blow them out every month because he would just crank them all the way up um, and he's like, but it is the, it's the dis- most disgusting sound I've ever heard. <laughs> like, that's um, you know, so I, I, he helped me out a lot with, you know, finding things that were in my budget. Budget is obviously, you know, a huge thing for a lot of us. We don't have a thousand dollars to spend on yeah. re- reverb or something, you know. Um, he helped me out with that a lot. And then I, I mean, I look at like pedal board forums. Time every time I hear a sound that I like, or that I'm like, ew, that's interesting, or ew, that's gross, or oh, that's lovely. Like I jump on the internet and try to figure out what it is, and so, um, and luckily nowadays, you know, the internet is there for you. That is such <laughs> good advice because, like, yeah, the no. That's novel. Like, that's what I'm glad I'm doing this podcast because I'm learning so much. That's so obvious, but I've always thought like, oh, to like figure out stuff about all these pedals, I have to go to the store and like talk to some person and explain my whole aesthetic to this other person and then like try out all these things. And like, you're totally right. Like you can just research it. Like it's not, there's no drama attached to it at all. And then, you know, I mean, that's a whole nother thing too that I would love to talk more about is like going to music stores and like trying things yes which is a, like nightmare for me oh, but, it's so um, oh, it's so scary <laughs> yeah but yeah the internet is definitely a good source i love talking to people actually, like when i see shows and see their pedal boards or like anything that i think is an interesting sound or a pedal i don't know about like especially dudes love talking about pedals so you like just talking of you know asking them like hey what's that pedal or whatever and you know guys will talk about that stuff forever but at least like if it's something that you haven't seen before you have this dude's opinion and you've heard you've heard it so 
um, that's another way. And so I always do is like, I mean, I'll talk to people about my pedals all day long and what I yeah. do them because I love them. Do you um, have, do you have more pedals or more, more, more shoes? I, I have more shoes, but that's really dumb because I wear like one pair of boots every day. So, I was going to say, what are they uh, all like black, like variations of a black boot or black sneaker? Yeah. <laughs> One's a fancy boot for going out on the town. <laughs> One's an everyday boot. Oh my gosh. I think that's about it. I like a pair of Chuck Taylors. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely go through pedals more than I go through shoes. That is a, a certain. So how are you writing this new record remotely? Like, what does that mean? Because all your bandmates moved away, right? Yes. What the hell? Um, Why do people think that's okay? Like, I hate when that happens. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, it sucks. Um, it's, I mean, everyone moved away for very, very valid reasons, and we all still love each other. Um, but this, and it's kind of, I mean, this band came together uh, because, so, can I give you, like, a little bit of backstory? Yes. And, like, tell me um, the years, too, because I, I actually don't know when Mutt so, started. Yeah. Mutt has only been around for a year and a half. Wow. I, I don't think I could tell you, like, the year lineage for everything else other than that. But, yeah, we've been together for a year and a half. However, um, Julie and I have played music together for, like, six years now. We were in a band previous to this, um, which was... Uh, I don't, it fell apart and it should have fallen apart a lot longer than it, a lot sooner than it did. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, you see things out and we had a lot invested in that band and we tried, but it didn't work. However, we knew that we wanted to be best friends and play music forever. So, um, Chris, Chris, who is our drummer, he started playing drums in that band at like the last three months. Basically, he went to South by Southwest with us and then played a few shows after that. Um, shit hit the fan and we were like, we, you know, we can't do this anymore. But the one thing that we didn't know was that me, Julie, and Chris were great friends and that we wanted to keep playing music together. So that's kind of how Mutt started. Um, well, that is exactly how Mutt started. Um, and then Chris played drums in another band called Auto Rex, which is where Austin came in to play. He's our guitar player. Um, and honestly, I think that this band would have happened, uh, you know, down the road one way or another. But at that point in time when Mutt started, I was sitting in a room with, you know, I'd always had another guitar player and Chris and Julie and I were sitting in a room together and I was just like, I'm not equipped for this. I'm not ready for it yet. Like, I haven't even, like, started thinking about lead guitar parts or um, like I have no idea what I'm doing. So while the songs and like what we did were, you know, very much driven by my guitar, I think Austin's really the one that came in and was like, no, that's great. Let's do this. And then he'd add these like cool riffs that kind of like made the songs come together. So I think, um, you know, getting Austin in Mutt was kind of what, uh, made it happen so quickly and made that album happen so quickly. So, uh, back to your question, we didn't really like this album or this band started from four people like being in a room together, hammering this stuff out, and we wrote that album in like three months. In that weird basement, just, like the dingy basement. 
Not the dingy basement that you saw. So we have this other place called the Foundry, yes. um, which you was our you, practice spot. Yeah, your practice spot. You said you like recorded it in this like little practice spot that was like gross. Yeah. Well, this, so this was this was also a little practice spot, but it was like in a big warehouse facility um, that it ended up burning down, like right after we finished like the basic tracks for the album. Um, so that's where we wrote everything. And then the rest of the album was like written all over the place. Like you played at my friend Dan's house. Yeah, we, that was so of- awesome and weird. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, so we did, Dan is awesome. Um, his whole collective over there is really great. Um, and they helped us out a lot. We recorded, we finished a lot of the recordings in that little spot. Um, but yeah, anyways, um, so that first album, like I said, and this band came together from this, the four of us just like getting in there and being like, we're doing this and it's going to be weird. <laughs> we're just going to make it happen. And we did it and it was awesome. And, you know, these songs kind of felt like they came out of nowhere. Um, obviously, it was just a lot of work put into them. And we were in there like maybe two or three times a week. A, because we were all good friends and like we just wanted to play music. So, um, I feel like I'm just like rambling about this now, but anyway, that's how much happened. And now, after a year, everyone's moved away. So now we're like doing the exact opposite, where it's like we are like I'm sitting in the room, kind of going back to like writing on an acoustic guitar, you know, and here like here's the songs, and then I send them out to everybody, um, just like the skeletons of them. And then you know, Julie, thank God for the Garage Band. Julie puts her bass line on from Pennsylvania. Austin puts guitar parts on down in Long Beach. Um, Chris, thankfully, is still here, so we work out a lot of stuff together and, like, record the drums back. But, yeah, we've just been demoing parts piece by piece and sending them around the country. Wow. I'm so excited to see what happens with this because it seems like it would definitely change your sound and maybe it would be a little bit more expansive and, like, I don't know. It happens. Yeah. Like this, um, so the, the uh, a new song like that we that were I just finished yesterday. Um, I have, I mean, I've used drum machines before, but never as like a means of recording. And so, like this new song is kind of like it's kind of like more electronic and like like hip hoppy. I want to wow, say. Wow, it's so um, Oakland of you. Well, but honestly, like. Not the only reason. I mean, I definitely had an idea in my head before I set out to do it, but I also am learning how to use a drum machine and, like, seeming the only thing that I know how to program in there is, like, old-school hip-hop beats. <laughs> so we may have, like, well, all It's like Will Smith. Just... We'll yeah, totally. <laughs> um, uh. But, you know, some, like, I kind of sent this song out to everybody with just, like, the, the preface of, like, we can, you know, I like the beat, but, like, we can change it, we can add to it. Here's the idea of it. And everyone wrote back and wrote, they were like, we're keeping it. Like, that drum sounds awesome. So, like, you know, it's just things like that where you kind of, we're working with what we have, the tools we have. And, um, you know, fortunately, some of these things that we would never, ever uh, experiment with before if we were just sitting in a room together you know, what happened. And so I think, yeah, it will, it will definitely put a, a different term. So are you guys going to get together different. for like a tour and like actually see each other? When is that going to happen? I want you guys to all be in a room yeah. together. 
yeah, Julie, I mean, Julie comes back like every six weeks or something. So we just had a writing session the last time she was here. And then, and the songs are kind of like slowly, slowly moving along. Um, but we, uh, we're going to head down to LA in a few weeks and, uh, do a writing session down there with Austin. And then we have a few shows coming up in April, which I'm really excited about. Um, and then we're going to start recording in June. So... Wow. It's already shaping like the sounds that you're getting. Like it's kind of interesting what how it's going to affect the music. You know? And it's, I yeah, I commend you for doing this. I mean, I don't know if I could do it. I mean, I send demos out to our drummer or whatever, but he lives like 15 minutes away, you know? So, yeah, it's really nerve it's really nerve-wracking. Like I was waiting to hear back from everyone today about the demo I sent out yesterday. I was like I felt like I was, like, having a panic attack. I was like, no one's gotten back to me yet. Like, do they hate it or what? Like, you know, it's kind of, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's very nerve-wracking. But it's also, I think a lot, like, I think lyrically it gives me a lot of time to, I'm not sure if it's going to be a good thing or a bad thing, but it's given me a lot of time to, like, really, like, uh, re- reflect and think about what I'm saying. Whereas before, it's not that I never did that before, but I think that we stuff out so quickly that it was kind of like okay this is what this is what it is here's the song um and then we record it you know and so this gives me a really really long time to really think about what I'm saying and like I said I'm not sure if that's gonna be a good thing or every song's gonna have like 16 verses (laughs) (laughs) can you talk about one of the songs from uh creature like and like talk about like what it's about and like how you wrote it yeah, do you have a particular one in mind, or should I just pick one? What's the one where it's, um, uh, let me play, let someone else play God for a while. Oh, Blood and Bone. Yeah, like, it, that song is a hit. It's a freaking hit song. Like, it is stuck in my head forever and ever and ever. And I just love that weird little breakdown, the screamy breakdown. Okay. Yeah, that's really fun to do. Um... <laughs> Like, what is it uh, yeah. about? I don't, I want to know. <laughs> um, I just, one of my friends that's in a band called New Evil Down South, um, she wrote me back. She was like, I really love this song, but what are you saying? Are you saying, um, what did you say? Um, why don't you let someone else play golf for a while? <laughs> <laughs> so it's really, when I hear that line back, it's really, or like, even sometimes when I'm about to sing it, I can't, like... Oh, my God. I don't know. I'm like, how could you think that whole song is about playing golf? So <laughs> well, I, I could be, like, some... Allude, you could be alluding to some sort of white privilege. I don't know. Like, you could find a way yeah, to make I mean, it meaningful. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's so, so funny. Uh, Chris will give us a board, like... <laughs> In the, in the quiet parts of that song, but they like to try to make me laugh while I'm singing. Um, yeah, so that song is kind of about, not kind of about, it's very much about, like, uh, an oppressive relationship, and uh, it's kind of like being, you know, being stuck in those things of, uh, for, so one example is, um, one example is like uh, re- like religion, I'd say, um, and just kind of like the things that you're t- that you're taught that you 
when you're younger that you think are real and like and you kind of are striving for these things or whatever you think like these are the rules and I have to abide by them and then just like figuring out like I mean I think that's kind of what that breakdown at the end is about it's kind of the redemption in all of it and just being (laughs) being like I, I like aren't you tired of this like let's like all the rules and the regulations and the oppression and the holding you back and um I don't know. I guess when I say don't you want to let someone else play God for a while, like maybe I need me. <laughs> or just like let me make the rules now. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's in a nutshell what that song is about. It's just like so, it's so commanding. Like it's just, I'm going to have to play it on the show for sure because it's just like, I don't know, everyone's had that moment where you're just like, you know what? Like I'm in charge now. <laughs> You're listening to me and this is, I'm done with this. And it's like this breaking point moment. But I wonder what's your favorite song on the album? Uh, I, um, it's hard to say. I mean, I love them all for different reasons. And I love like playing. I really love playing ad nauseum. I feel like Mm -hmm. the whole band gets so excited. Uh, the whole thing gets really pumped up playing ad nauseum and there's a part at the end of that when we do it live there's a part at the end where I'm just screaming take yeah and when we do it live they are at the will of what I how long I want want scream take for Um, and that was that's so powerful it's so awesome and it's like so fun I love opening with it because for a while we were playing with um like a lot of like dude bands, you know, just like uh, we we were starting out as a band and we were taking bills that you know we probably wouldn't jump on now, but people were giving us opportunities and, and it's awesome, you know. But there was definitely some some not the people in the bands, but the audience members in the bands that uh, didn't really understand what was happening. And, uh, <laughs> You're being very our- polite about this, by the way. <laughs> well, our first show, like, we played at this, like, biker bar um, up north of Oakland, and we we were Bikini Kill for Halloween, and I was dressed as Kathleen Hanna, and I had, like, slot, I had the whole thing, I had slot written across my stomach, Chris was wearing a dress, and we wrote meat on his chest, like, we went all out, and it was awesome, but no one understood what the hell was happening. And oh, so no. And it, but... Oh, I mean, we don't, we didn't really care. We did it make figured, it better? Like, was it more fun? It did, because it was, I mean, it was our first show, too, you know, so we were, we were just happy to be there, but opening with that particular song to, a like, I'm not going to say there was a group of men, but there was like five or six dudes that were sitting in there, like, wondering what was happening. Um, and why this girl wasn't wearing a shirt and <laughs> just sitting there and screaming take at the top of my lungs to them like was like like it's very much like I'm performing now I have the microphone you're gonna sit here and listen to this and you're gonna listen to me scream it until you freaking get what's going on <laughs> Yeah, I bet you were like the only woman where they were like, she can put her shirt back on. Like we, she she can just put her shirt back on, (laughs) 
I'm sure that they were wetting themselves just like what like in a not in a sexy way but in like oh my god this woman is yeah. taking over I am so frightened because a lot of dudes don't get to experience that especially in like the music world right. a lot of guys don't really I mean there's just not as many women playing music so it's just I, I encourage everybody to go out and see you play because it's totally um it's arresting. I don't know how to describe it. It definitely disrupts you. Like you can't go and see Mutt play and then just be like in your own little world. Like you're going to be in their world and you're going to get shaken up a little bit, a lot. That's awesome to hear. That's definitely what we, we don't take it lightly when we're up there for sure. Yeah. That's not, you're not, there's nothing light about you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love, I love this advice idea of how to, um, kind of go to a music store and try out instruments. And before we get into this, I have to tell you my stupid little story. When I was like a super punk rock teenager living in the LA area, my friends and I would hang out on these train tracks and, uh, near this wiener schnitzel. Yeah. Yeah. We'd like go drink by the train tracks and like, we were so cool. Um, and then we would go down to the guitar center, which was like just down the block. So we'd get all wasted and we'd like walk down to the guitar center. And then me and my friends, we were in a girl band, uh, all girl band. We would just go and pick up instruments and just start being really loud and obnoxious until they kicked us out. And we did this like repeatedly. And I don't know why or how like the staff didn't like just immediately kick us out, but they would like let us make fools of ourselves every time and then kick us out. Um, but I wish I still had that tenacity and like that, like, fuck you kind of attitude because now, even now, like I'm almost 30 years old. I've been playing music for, for since I was like 12 and I still get really nervous. Like it's kind of weird. Cause I almost feel like I don't want everyone to be listening to me and I feel uh-huh. self-conscious and I don't know why. Yeah. Like, do you feel that way? How do you feel about it? Well, for starters, if you want to go drink by the train tracks and go to Guitar Center and stuff, I'll totally do that with you. Oh, you're amazing. Um, maybe you just need, like, a group of girls to go in there with. Right. Yeah. I think you're right about um, that. Okay. Well, it's a date then. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think there's, um, I hate going, I hate trying out pedals and doing all that stuff and I've kind of I mean in a sense I've just kind of figured out my own shtick for it um because I really don't like I don't like hearing other people do it (laughs) I don't like those dudes that sit there and they're and I can't imagine like the people that work there god bless them like they must want to go hit go home and like pull their hair out every night but but, um, but what is it? Like, for thing, people that aren't musicians that are listening to this, they probably are like, what? What's the big deal? What is it that, like, annoys the crap out of you? Because for me, it's almost this feeling of, like, you're at the pool and you're on parade. Like, you're taking off your your um, your towel and you're kind of looking around at everyone else's beach body. And you know what I mean? Like, that flaunting. That just kills me. Like, the stairway to heaven crap. Yeah. Well, for starters, I think... That, I mean, how many times can I have I said for starters? In this, in I like this? it. I like it. You're like number okay. one. <laughs> it's always just for starters. There's no. <laughs> You'd be, you would be a great um, substitute teacher for starters class. <laughs> <laughs> Any hoodle. Um, I think that all those guys that go in there and like guys and girls 
that go in there and just like freaking noodle around, I think they have the same riff that they go and they play every time. Well, I'm yeah. 100% that they have one riff that they know and they go in there and they sit down with their guitar of choice the loudest amp and they want everyone to know that they know how to play guitar because they know this one riff that's my synopsis on that situation I think that Um, you distilled it pretty perfectly yes I however like I said do a lot of research into the things that I like if I go into a shop and they have like a cool amp that I've never seen and I, you know, I'm curious to what it sounds like, I think that the best thing that I, or I don't know if it's the best thing, but the thing that I do is I know I have like a riff from a song, from one of my songs that I know and I just play that same riff on every thing. Because it, on like every pedal, every guitar, every, every amp. And from there, you'll get other noises that inspire you to do other things. But if you start out with the same riff that I, the same idea I got from the noodle dudes at Guitar Center, um, that's also how you can hear the difference in things. I think if you're constantly like, like doing all that weird stuff, you're not going to really be in tune to like what's going on with that particular instrument or that particular amp or that particular pedal. And if you're kind of playing the same thing, on each one, that's how you can hear the intonation. But see, that's smart. Like, that's a smart thing to do. Like, how do you show off? Like, how are you supposed to show everybody that you like? It's not your boyfriend that I plays guitar. Know. You play guitar. Like, I know exactly what and you I mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also tend to buy things. I mean, I always buy like pedals. For example, I don't. I do not want to sit there and play pedals for starters. You buy that pedal and you take it home and you plug it into your into your rig. It's not going to sound the same as what you're playing at the store. Yeah. So whenever I buy pedals, especially there, I buy them at a place where I can take them home. I can plug them in to my own rig, and I can return them if it doesn't work. And that's like my number one thing because I I kind of find it like because I do the research on them generally beforehand, I find it useless to sit there and play through an amp that sounds nothing like mine and a guitar that's similar to mine in a store in front of a bunch of people where I'm just, like, sweating and nervous and, like, I'm not going to really get anything out of it. So that's my, like, game plan with pedals. Man, take them home. I love that. In. That's so great because I don't think I'll ever get to the point where I'm going to walk into a guitar store and, like, be – it's not even a confidence issue. It's just – it's like trying on like an outfit, like in front of everybody. Like, I just want to have an intimate moment with this instrument and I just want to, you know, like I, maybe I just want to play E for a while. Maybe I just want to like strum one chord for a long ass time. Or or maybe I do want to be super, 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 super loud. And it feels weird. Like I can't, it's almost like being in a library or something like, yeah. So that's a really good, I didn't even know you could take that kind of stuff home. Like I've taken other things but I haven't taken pedals home that seems pretty obvious you could totally do that at a lot of stores Tar Center they have a pretty good, they have a really good return policy um, I am not super familiar with all the music stores down there but um, you know most people will have a, like a two, two to three day at least um, window of opportunity where you can get all of your you can get cash back for your pedals but um yeah, in that sense, you have to definitely, like, time it right so that you can actually get to your practice studio or with your band or whatever and plug it in. 
Yeah, that's um, so practical. I love that advice. But, like, don't be afraid to ask. Yeah, like, hey, can I take this home? Can I try this? Can I bring it back? I mean, why not? Home. Yeah. And then you don't have to sit there and, like, talk to someone about it, you know. I'm not <laughs> talk to them about it forever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I love music stores, but I don't like the kind of pageantry that goes on in them. So I tend to try to, like, get in there with a game plan and get out of there. Yeah. Very, very smart. So what was your favorite sign that you saw at the march? Uh, there is, oh man, there was so many good ones. Oh my God, I, I know. The one, the one that I put on my Instagram was like, you can't um, come over misogyny. I think that was it. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Um, that was such a good one. And you know what was so awesome was all of the kids that were out there. Um you know, with their parents and stuff. It was just so, it was really beautiful. It was definitely a family affair just to see all those young people. Um, it, was, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Ugh, I don't want to get into it because there's, I already have like another episode that I'm doing just from interviews I took at the March, but it's just, everything is political these days and it has to be so, but I love yeah. all the practical advice you've given. It's been really great. And also I don't really know that many like female guitar players that are like lead guitar players that shred and like, you know, have that command and control and like, especially someone who's a quote unquote gearhead, like most of the women musicians I know, like they're like, Oh yeah. Like I'm kind of knowledgeable, but they don't, it almost seems like they're like that part of their brain. They're just like, Oh, that's just for like the guitar center guys. Like I'm not even going to worry about it. But, but I like that you like bring that sense of control to your music and it makes me inspired to maybe research more, like go on some forums. What's the worst thing that could happen? I know, but you know, I mean, you, you try. Yeah. I like what I like. Mm. And then I research it. (laughs) And that's a great way to go about things. Um, I wonder if there's any, Oh, go ahead. Just to clarify, I, I still have a lead guitar. I'm not a lead guitarist necessarily in my band. I do write a lot of the riffs, but Austin is still technically our lead guitar player. But I've seen you play some lead parts. And it seems oh, yeah. like you're concentrating. We play, we play as a three piece a lot, so I take over. I take over, but I don't. I mean, I love him, and he's. I don't want to take that away from him. You shouldn't. So that would be mean. But, yeah, but I mean, I'm working on other projects in which I will be in the future playing the lead guitar. Mm, I would love to end on this actually, because we didn't cover this yet. The, the idea of being a lead guitar player, like I was a lead guitar player in my last band and it was the funniest thing. Like I'd go to shows and like set up all my stuff and people would be like, Oh, do you play keyboard? Oh, do you sing? It was the weirdest thing. Like I obviously came in here with a guitar case, but at nobody. And then I go, Oh, I play lead guitar. And they go, what? And then on stage, I I would literally, I'd literally play lead guitar on stage. And then afterwards it'd be like, Oh, it's so cool to hear you playing bass. It's almost like there's like a mental block. <laughs> there's like a mental block for like female guitar. Like, and I wonder like when you decided you were going to do that. And like, cause you're a great lead guitar, but I mean, not that you are a quote unquote lead guitar player for Mutt, but you, yeah, like you focus and you sound good and you wail. And like, it's, it's all very, you know, like not noodly, but you, you do the thing. So like, how did that happen? And like, how did that work? Uh, I think it, I mean, 
to necessarily rely on another guitar player to make these songs work. Um, and I think that's where the core of these songs uh, came, like where the core of these songs came from, and the ideas of them is that they sound they sound good as a three piece, um, and and often kind of adds the glitter and the glamour, if you will, um, and really rounds out the sound for us. But we can play them as a three piece. Um, and that's where I, I just didn't want to have to rely, I didn't, didn't want to have to rely on someone else to do the work, you know? It's, I mean, it's hard and it was a hard process. Uh, it's a lot of, it's like a dance, like pressing all those pedals and then remembering to sing. Um, it's hard work, but I think like the basis of me wanting to learn guitar and, and learn how to write riffs and add to songs and, and compose songs is a lot of it had to do with getting the full idea of a song out of my head, um, but also from not wanting to rely on anybody to, to make it happen for me. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where that came from. And it was, I think I've always been like uh, pushing myself in that direction and it kind of just came to fruition with this band. So, yeah. Um, oh my gosh. You, you, the whole like relying on your gut thing is like so fluid throughout every single thing that you do. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. And you're, yeah. you're very guttural when you sing. So yeah, the gut, it's kind of insane. Like, I think what you're trying to do is like constantly move towards a self-reliance and sovereignty of like who you are. And that's just mm-hmm. coming through in the music. Like, so I mean, that, I think that's what's so captivating about it. I mean, obviously, you have a great team, like a great band, but yeah. that, yeah. I mean, without that part of it, like, it would just lose a lot of teeth. So I just find that interesting. Yeah, well, like, it really does touch everything that you do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's been a I mean, it's definitely been a long time coming, I think, the confidence to do what, what I do now. Like I said, if I could go back and like give myself pep talks, I definitely would. But I've learned a lot, and I think you know, you just getting putting yourself out there and making mistakes, and and you know, playing in bands that with people that suck, not suck musically, but suck as people. Like you know, dealing with music store dudes and just like doing all that stuff, and like really you know, making yourself do it and push. I think any time that we get on stage or any time that we write a song or any time, you know, we send a demo to our best friends that are our bandmates, it's uh, constantly pushing your, your comfort zone. And, I mean, I think that's what all artists are striving to do is find something that's outside of them and, and push towards it. Um, and I think that's definitely just kind of always been my journey. And I've got a long ways to go. Do not get me wrong. Mm, 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 mm. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. That is the perfect place to end because that is very inspiring. Those are inspiring words right there. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Haley. I appreciate it. Wasn't that awesome? I love her. I think we need to listen to Ad Nauseam right now and headbang the entire time. Okay, one, two, three, go.
Sparkle and Destroy podcast is produced and recorded by myself, Haley Crusher Kane, with help from my husband, Dr. Reed Kane Esquire. Special thanks to Miss Mavis for calling in today. If you want to know more about Mutt Music, you can follow them at, um, on Instagram at Mutt Music. You can also go to their Bandcamp page and pick up their album Creature. Also, be sure to check out their merchandise. They have a Fight Song t-shirt, um, and all proceeds from that t-shirt are going to Planned Parenthood. If you want to know more about this podcast, you can go to my blog, www.isyourboyfriendintheband.com. Uh, you can follow me at Haley and the Crushers on Instagram or at Sparkle and Destroy Pod on Instagram. And uh, you can always shoot me an email and say what's up and maybe you'll be on the show. Um, as always, sparkle hard and thank you so much for listening.
Tab, why don't you let someone else play God for a while?